Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that connects people who are struggling with their HSV diagnosis to mental health resources. This past weekend, we were able to get eight people enrolled into a group therapy session. Uh, the therapist who facilitated it, it was more of like a peer support group. Um, she facilitated this and it was amazing. We got participation from everyone involved um, except one of the people. And I think that he just might have felt out of place uh, for other reasons. But I want to do a better job of filtering people in together with one another um, based on like identities and different comfort levels of um, where they fall on the spectrum of sexuality as well. So. I appreciate everyone who came out and everyone who donated, especially uh, Dr. Jess O'Reilly, who uh, her and her partner donated a big chunk of change for us to be able to cover some of the people who were unable to make a donation. And we were able to pay the uh, therapist for her time in facilitating this peer support group. Another thing that happened over the last week, and I'm saying over the last week as if this is going to go out today, this is not going out today, but... Uh, on January 29th, 2021, we had our first, um, that was a group therapy session. And then on the 28th was my first virtual presentation. Shout out to Dr. Evelyn Dacker and Ray from Positive Results Instagram page for putting together this shameless STIs conversation uh, with an emphasis on HSV. Um, Dr. Evelyn Dacker donated the proceeds to something positive for positive people. And that total came out to be $800. So $800 to talk about herpes and be able to get more of these group therapy sessions on, uh, on the, the, on the ground running. That's so helpful. So if anyone wants to check that out, the information provided was invaluable. Dr. Dacker spent a lot of time into creating that resource and making sure that the information was cited, credible and accurate. Ray also put a lot of time into talking about the remedies and managements of the virus. And I put like 15 minutes into just talking about disclosure. So I didn't do much of anything except for show up and then just answer a few questions. If you want that handout, the presentation, and watch the video recording of the Zoom call, you can visit www.evelindacker.com, and you'll be prompted how to uh, go through and get the video, get the handout, and um, yeah, that's 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 been this past week. A couple of other podcast episodes also came out this week. Uh, the Normalizing Non-Monogamy podcast that I was on, as well as Sex with Dr. Jess. I was on that one as well. So this has been a really great week for something positive for positive people and just me in general. I'm really feeling the love. I'm really feeling the support from everyone. Uh, more people are reaching out about being guests on the podcast, which saves me so much uh, heartache and headache with having to try and reach out to people to be a part of this. That's something that I'm leaning away from now. Uh, if people want to be a part of this podcast because they want to share their stories and contribute, then that's one thing. But I'm over reaching out to people who have talked about herpes one time and have a larger social media following only for me to, you know, just not have them be comfortable with the level of vulnerability that's expressed here or for them to not really want to do it, but maybe not want to say that they don't want to do it. 
so yeah, I'm only having people here who want to be here. And if you're someone who's on the fence about sharing your story verbally, vocally on the podcast, you are more than welcome to visit www.spfpp.org and you can see where the Something Positive from Positive People blog is. This is going to feature submissions from people who aren't ready to speak about their story, but they're comfortable writing in. So if you want your story published to the website, then you can just type it up and send it to me. Email it just Courtney at SPFPP.org. I'm working on creating something on the website as well. So if you want to just submit, it'll be a quick process of you just typing it up and sending it in. Oftentimes, this is the first time that people will sit with and really process their diagnosis from the point of uh, first symptom to most recent disclosure. And that can be healthy as well for people. So if you're someone who wants to do that, just make sure you leave out names or change names. I copy paste the story as is. I fix typos and then I format it to where it fits pretty decently on the web page. And if you reference anything that I can put a hyperlink in, then I make sure to add that. Someone used a word that I didn't know. So I made sure to like link to the uh, Google search results for it so that they had an idea of what that word meant. Uh, The Something Positive for Positive People podcast community is still on Facebook. There are close to 50 members there. I only talk about this on the podcast. I want this group to be exclusive to people who listen to the podcast. Doesn't matter anything about your herpes status. Now, granted, most people who listen to this podcast do have herpes, but I want people to get to a place where they're comfortable stepping out of their comfort zone. Even if it's in a group where 99.9% of the people are positive, there's still that little bit of discomfort. And by introducing that little bitty discomfort to your life by you being a part of this group where maybe someone in there doesn't have herpes, This may translate to how you do everyday life outside of the group in real life whenever we can get back to just being outdoors and meeting new people without the fear of COVID and everything like that. So uh, that's available. If you want in on that, please just search something positive for positive people podcast community on Facebook and you will be able to just request to join. I ask that you send me a message because I've had people try to get in and don't know what the hell that is. They just searched something about positivity and it came up. And then I've had uh, people just not know uh, what they were getting themselves into. So the only way people are going to know about this are through listening to the podcast and that's how I'm sharing it. So uh, yeah, we'll be getting more involved there. You'll notice that there's not a lot of posts. Um, but I am definitely working to make that group something that's more engaging because it has a lot of potential. All right. You can also support us on Patreon and you can make donations through PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, whatever. Um, visit www.spfpp.org and you can just scroll down a little bit and make whatever donation you would like to do in order to pay it forward for people to continue to receive therapy. Now, before you fall asleep or doze off or you have to go to the bathroom or something, I need to make sure that people know there's a guest on this podcast. I just gave that whole seven minute intro because my board gets on me about not taking care of the business aspect. I'll be jumping in these podcasts and I'll be like, hey, what's your story? You go start talking and then we get so captivated. And then by the time we're done, I didn't already ran out of time to say, hey, also, this nonprofit needs money so you can donate. Hey, (laughs) that's cool. All right. So what do you want me to call you? 
All right, Jen. Now, you messaged me on Instagram in response to the post. Nope, you got to tell me. I don't remember. I'll mix you up with somebody else. <laughs> it's, it was a post that um, somebody sent you about Planned Parenthood. That oh, they oh. think you you in order to share it. Mm-hmm. It triggered me this morning um, because, okay, so so I, I was diagnosed back in August. Of what year? Of last year. Okay. Back in August of last year. 2020. Um, during the whole pandemic. Um, I, but before that, with HSV2, um, but before that, I was having symptoms back the end of 2019, and I was going to the doctor, they were checking me, I do STD testings, like, I'm a freak, so I'm always, like, getting tested and checking. I never knew that it wasn't part of the panel at all no idea they told me oh you're good you're fine i'm like no something's wrong so fast forward um i went to parent parenthood around my area and i told them i said i want to get tested specifically i said herpes and they denied me the doctor was like well we don't really test for that um that's do you have any outbreaks i'm like no not that i know of i haven't seen anything she's like yeah so we don't really test for that unless you actually have an outbreak i'm like why she's like oh because it's something that the cdc recommends for us not to do i was completely flabbergasted i was like what you mean you know she's like no if if you don't have an outbreak then it's fine it's nothing to worry about don't worry about it so she tested me for the regular hiv and everything else everything came out negative and i still felt i'm like something's not right like i still sometimes will feel like after i have my period or something will feel like itching and i'm like well something ain't right so then fast forward to august i went to a new kind of gynecologist and um she did the regular panels she didn't even see nothing then i said no i had to like literally point her like where i feel what is happening then she's like oh yeah it looks like it's herpes i'm like oh okay and then she acted like it was like the common flu she was like oh yeah you're you're fine i'm like uh rewind so then she (laughs) she ended up taking doing the culture um i in that moment i was still shocked my whole body was numb i'm still processing what she just told me and then i she hands me a pamphlet because i'm 37 she's like you know having kids is gonna be hard for you so she goes from telling me that i might have herpes to telling me that i need to have kids like yesterday and i'm sitting there still numb my whole body's numb i'm pale and i'm like what you I'm like, I'm still processing what you just told me right now, like that I might have herpes. And then she hands me a a pamphlet to do IVF in case I want to have kids. And she's like, you'll be fine. Everything's going to be fine. You'll be fine. That was her response the whole time that I'm sitting there. And I'm like, I'm not like, what? I'm not going to be fine. Like, I need more information. She gave me no information whatsoever when it comes to herpes. I had no idea. I wasn't even in... Like, I had no information from her. I Then, after that visit, I went through a huge depression. Like, I I was suicidal. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm never going to find somebody. I'm definitely not going to be having children. Like, everything went through my head. Like, Like, it's... Thank God I reached out to a group, a women's group. 
I was able to do research because once again, and I know a lot of people that have been in your podcast have said, if you Google herpes, it's horrendous. It's so scary that I, and that made me worse. And I went through this black hole in the internet. And then um, I was able to research um, a woman's group and they were the ones to help me through this. And then they gave me the courage to tell my friends and my family, like my, my sisters and my close girlfriends and let them know that I had it. But if it wasn't for this group that they actually, and the therapist that actually gave me this the knowledge and, and any questions I had, I don't know what would have happened because the doctors had, did not help me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It was frightening. So I, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to come to like, I, for me, it was devastating because I know people are saying it's, it's, it's a skin condition and it's, you know, it's a nerve condition, which is true, but it also comes with that whole burden of, I'm never going to find somebody, you know, like, and the doctors make you feel worse. She literally told me, don't have sex. <laughs> I was like, oh. Oh my God. <laughs> This is, yeah, that's a terrible experience that you had. And what I find is that the organizations themselves are not always at fault for how they do things. It's more so the person that's delivering the diagnosis. Oh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say most of the time, um, because I've gone places where some people are more knowledgeable. Some people are more comfortable talking about sex. Some people are more, um, funny, different, all types of different personalities when it comes to this in delivering a diagnosis. So in your case, I think that maybe the nurse was uncomfortable talking about herpes because it was about sex. Then she was talking about herpes and how it impacts your reproductive system. So getting away from the awkwardness of herpes to something that is more generally assumed and expected given dialogue with a woman about her lady parts, right? So for her, that might've just been a way of getting out of it and talking about having babies. Yeah, and this was the actual doctor that I was like shocked. And I actually went after, cause I freaked out. Like I was going like every month, like me and this woman at this point, we're in a relationship, right? <laughs> well, I was going every month. I'm like, no, we're, we're in this together. Now that you told me I've heard it's like, I'm, you see me every month. So I'm going, I went back a few times and I actually, um, I, she checked me again and then she's like, you'll be fine. This is normal. You know how many people come in here with herpes and I, I just give them medication and that's it. And then at that point I got upset and I told her, I'm like, it's easier said than done. I'm like, you need to, and I literally told us that you need to be able to tell your patients, um, give them information, tell your patient exactly what it is instead of them going through this hole and, and us trying to figure out what to do when we have zero information from doctors and I even went to um my primary care doctor even sent me to an infection disease because I wasn't getting no information from my gynecologist so the infection disease doctor kind of broke it down he's like it's normal he's like you have nothing to worry about I said you know what you guys are acting like this is the common flu like I was so upset because all these doctors they like oh whatever like next I'm like you guys act like this is the common flu he's like well it kind of is He's like, there's so many people that have it. He goes, I've seen couples that come in that she might have it. He doesn't. He has it. She doesn't. She's like, it's it's very common. 
So after talking to him, it kind of made me feel a little better because he actually was able to actually break it down more than my own gynecologist. And and after that, though, like I said, the I've had so much more support and information from the HSV advocates and groups and therapy like yourself than anything because throughout that whole process I was listening to your podcast and it actually helped me more than me going to a professional which I was blown away so that's when I saw the parent parent parenthood I said you know they they need to do better because they not even a pamphlet at least give me a pamphlet do something like I had zero like she's like no we can't check you and it, I was in shock. Mm-hmm. That I was like, "Oh, okay." Uh, speaking from the experiences of organizations that I've spoken to who don't or can't or won't test for herpes, generally they ask that if there's an outbreak present, then they can do whatever the swab test is. Um, they don't do the blood testing. So if you didn't have symptoms, I, I feel like there's a better way of having worded that than yeah. what you were given. <laughs> the thing like I've, I've heard people that say that they never had symptoms and then um one of the um hsb advocate i saw that um somebody that reached out to her said that she didn't have symptoms whatsoever but then a f- few months after that she got um herpes on her fingers without having a break outbreak so i think that even when they test you or give information or even if a patient says they want to get tested they should test you, not deny you to not get tested because I'm asking for this test. So I think that's what bothered me the most when it, when that, when it comes to the doctors and everything, that just because they don't want to explain it or they don't know how to explain it because it's more of a mental thing than anything, that's what my gynecologist told me. Um, it's If a patient goes to you and be like, I'm concerned, I want to get tested, test them. Just give them the test just because you don't want to explain what it is. Because that's really what it is. They don't want to explain it to you. Because some of them don't even know themselves. They're still confused. Because I'm over here then with everything that I'm learning. I'm, I went back to my gynecologist. I'm telling you, we're in a relationship. I went back to my gynecologist and I started telling her. I was like, you know you can get it on your finger too. <laughs> She's like, no, that's, that's, um, that's warts. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you can get it on your finger. <laughs> Like I gave her a therapy group where I, I gave her information. I gave her um, information of what um, other patients can can go and get information on. Because I'm like, you guys should have this. Like I'm giving you the professional who went to school for this information about HSV. Like I thought it was I, crazy. And every time I see her, I'm like, I think she gave me her cell phone. She regretted giving me her cell phone number. <laughs> Um, I think what we need to understand quickly is that our experiences are something that's not in the textbook of dealing with the herpes diagnosis. There is nothing on the CDC website that talks about our experiences. All you see is this is how many people have herpes. Mm -hmm. This is how it's transmitted. Like that information is cool. It's there. However, what about, you know, us having to walk away with this now? Um, The CDC and other credible resources are incredible at providing the statistics and the data. But what we need is not provided for us. All of the attention, money and everything that goes into STD prevention efforts 
it it cuts off when we test positive and we don't even know that those STD prevention efforts didn't 100% serve us in keeping us from getting herpes. And oftentimes we'll get a diagnosis and then bam, that's our end with sex education. And we realize all of this stuff that we just haven't been told that we're finding out now. And that makes us angry. That makes us resentful. That makes us feel sometimes a little bit better because we can have a little bit of grace with ourselves because we just didn't know any different. We didn't know any better. But now we got our eyes at the medical community and the sex education uh, that we receive in elementary school. And we're upset because it didn't include this information that now that it's relevant to us, we would have really benefited from knowing. But the reality is it's, it's just not the case. I agree. I 100% agree. And it's, it's, it's sad it, that we have to do our own search, that we have to like figure this out, that like people are losing their lives over things like this, that they, they're not considering like, okay, now since you were, if they don't want to explain it, at least they could be like, go see a therapist. I had to do everything myself because I had no idea. Um, and thank God I have a friend of mine, a good friend of mine that she's actually a therapist. I reach out to her cause I went through a point that I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do to myself. And I just happened to reach out to her and she goes, I could refer you to somebody if you want. She goes, I, I'm, I will go to your house right now. And I was able to find this amazing group. I love these women in this group. It's a women's group. They're amazing. Um, I'm there. They are so supportive that I went through even being on the group one day, one night I was spiraling. I was able to reach out to one of them. Like it's, it's, you get more support from like this HSV than being a, just a professional. Mm. And it's, I, I wish that because of like what you're doing and what others are doing, that it can be more, it could be normalized because it, they need to add it on the STD panels because I was, I was uh, exploring that idea with someone of what it would look like to perhaps put a little bit of focus on the test itself to make it more accurate. Yes, it's tricky to navigate. It's best to come in when you're having an outbreak. But what if there was one consistent test that worked for people and it was something that was part of routine testing annually. So maybe once a year you go in and you get tested for herpes and you yeah. operate under the assumption that every year you're getting tested for herpes when you go and get your herpes test with your primary care physician. Because places that provide frequent STI testing for HIV, chlamydia, syphilis, gonorrhea, and hepatitis, these places can pump out these tests, you know, back to back and quickly. So if HSV tests are expensive and HSV is so common, then why don't we just allow for people to know what their status is by getting on board with a better test and then yeah. go from there. Um, so that would be that would be something that I could see. It's just recommending that you get tested for herpes once a year. Why can't that be a foundational recommendation from a yeah, credible source? Absolutely. I even say, like, I was even surprised that I had no idea that I also found this out in the group that women that are pregnant, they don't even test them either. Well, the thing about that is I think they test you. They should because I interviewed someone who uh, who was tested and came to find out that uh, I'm sorry, she should have been tested. But come to find out she had a different strand of herpes, uh, cyto, cytomegalovirus, CMV. 
and pass that on to her newborn and there were issues with that. So now she's advocating for uh, awareness about CMV and what that is and the women's groups that she's a part of. And so I was, yeah, and my partner, uh, a partner that I have was um, diagnosed uh, because she had to get a test done while she was pregnant. And so when she got her test done, that was how she found out that she was positive because she was pregnant. Otherwise, she hadn't had any symptoms. So this is a thing that, you know, it's situational yeah, diagnosis. Because I know people that um, that they were pregnant and they never tested them for it. Mm-hmm. I even even one of the nurses even told me she goes, I after you, after you came in here in my gynecologist, she goes, after you came in here and actually vocalized all this, she goes, I went back and checked all of my tests that I've had, like my PEP and everything. And she goes, I've never been tested. And I, and then I told her, I was like, girl, I went back and I, I searched all my records to see how far this, I'm like, and we're not being tested for it that I didn't know. I, I literally thought it was part of a panel. And, and I told her, I was like, when I, once I got diagnosed is when all this came to light that I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that self-education afterwards is something else, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, it's awareness to the fullest. Like, your eyes are, like, open. And and for me, it's it's been so far after um, I went through spiraling, because sometimes I have my good days, sometimes I have my bad days, but it's been a blessing and a curse mm-hmm. because it's at least I'm able to get, get therapy for it and just individual therapy as well. And just um, meet new people that I would never have met before. Right. You know? I have a question for you about the women's group that you reached out to. Was this a women's group for women with herpes? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was just a support group that you got access to and then you went there and they knew where to send you for support. No. Okay. No, it was, it was women um, that have herpes and they're also struggling with the same thing. And and it's, it's, it's a good to have... Knowing that you're not alone, because when you first diagnose, you swear up and down that you're by yourself. Like you're alone on that mountain. Like either I jump, or like you don't know what to do with yourself at this point. So at least like um, it it made it a lot better to know that you're not alone. Because no matter how many your friends and family could tell you that you're not alone, it's not the same as somebody that actually have it. Mm-hmm. Understand. So would you say that knowing someone that has it? gives you a little more comfort and peace than dealing with uh, the medical professionals providing you with statistics and data to ease the the pain or the discomfort like what what was most effective for you and why is what I want to get at I want to dissect that for me was my group my group was the one that were was able to because they were able to answer questions that I thought I was the only one that had and then um, they were able to be like, no, I felt the same way. Like we all kind of share each other's stories and and know that we all going through the same thing. And then you thinking you're the only one that I can't say that to, unfortunately, to a professional because they see so much that they're numb to it at this point that they're like, oh, it's just normal. And you're like, yeah, but this is what's happening to me. This is what I'm thinking emotionally. I'm, I'm sad because am I ever going to find somebody or having be scared about disclosure and you have one girl that's like, well, I disclosed to somebody and he's cool with it. 
another one is like, no, I had a bad experience. Like, he freaked out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have all these experiences that helped me through it and was able to actually talk to these women. And and it's been, it's been, it's been good. Like, I'm, I'm blessed to have that group. Okay. Now, with that being said, um, you also mentioned that the like Instagram accounts, the herpes education advocates and influencers were all supportive to you as well. Can you share with me what that does for you when you see these Instagram accounts? Oh, man, it's it's one of them. I can't really say her name, but I follow I follow you um, and to see and read other people like when they write to you um and i noticed um some of the advocate this one in particular she has it herself and she gives you tips on like what to do if because i take antivirals um so if i won't ever want to be off it like what to do what can i take natural like it helps you because it normalizes it Right. It's it. It's, they're teaching you of knowing your body. This is what you can do without it. Um, drink this tea like it helps to know that that I didn't get anywhere else except for for people like you that it's it's that are helping the community that we would if it wasn't for you guys having these accounts and actually trying to put a stigma on like herpes is awful we're the worst people in the world like it actually helps everybody yeah um maybe you can help me with something because this is something i've been pondering for myself is i focus solely on the experiences of people i focus on the stigma and the mental health aspects of it if herpes is cured today there will be no need for what it is that i'm doing uh, the statistics and data that are out there, it's so inconsistent. And with so many different accounts and uh, herpes education advocates sharing this inconsistent information, like it could be something as simple as the wording. So if I say herpes, people assume genital. If I say HSV-1, they assume cold sores, but you can also have it genitally. So just given what you know about all of the inconsistencies about herpes and the language and how interchangeable it all is, do you feel that the inconsistency of that in the space of, say, Instagram with several different accounts that have their own approach to this, but sharing in that space does more harm than it does good? Does it create more confusion or is it comforting for you just seeing that there are people out there even trying? I think it's comforting to know that people are there trying. Yes, I do think that they need to distinguish one from the other. Um, Even though for me, it's kind of all the same. It's all herpes. That's how I feel. And (laughs) I, I, I feel like. I feel a little bit, you know, guilty saying that because there are people who need to know these statistics. But at the end of the day, there is nothing you can do to just completely prevent someone from getting it from you if you have it and you have sex with them. Uh, I get questions all the time and people like want assurance that they're, oh, can we just say, is does this reduce it, the, the viral shedding by 0.006%? And I, yeah, I just tell people like, is still a chance. If you have enough sex with somebody and you're shedding and they perhaps are in a state uh, where their body is susceptible to illness or viruses being able or if they're unable to fight it off naturally, then it don't matter how low the risk is because there's a risk period of passing it on to someone. I think that we spend so much time 
focus on the data, the statistics, the uh, other person's reactions, rejection, acceptance, that in order for us to tell the person, but really all we need to do is communicate with them and give them the choice. And giving people the choice completely alleviates all the need for all this unnecessary shit of being able to provide all these stats and shit that don't mean anything because at the end of the day, all you're saying is we don't really understand the virus and it's possible that I may give it to you even if I wear condoms and keep my boxers on and there's no direct... uh, uh, and, and the only way we do this is with no direct skin-to-skin contact on the affected area. Because then even that leads to um, the the exploration of more risky, perhaps, uh, per se, behavior. And, and another thing that people like have to really be mindful is a lot of people are saying, oh, because I've heard this before, oh, um, if you have a condom, you won't get it. Like, that's not true. And doctors, that, there are doctors saying that. So it depends on the area of the outbreak. Like it, it's it's to, like it has nothing to do with. Yes, they it could be a possibility that it might prevent somewhat. But I know somebody that got it using a condom. So it's it. I do think that that when it comes to like for example, as a woman, um, I've heard I've heard people say like men like will understand better if they are told more statistics wise than. <laughs> This is what they say. I'm like, for me, um, I understand the, you know, transmission rate. Okay, I get all that, but it's it, it, there's still a chance. Either way, there's a chance, regardless of how you want to sugarcoat it. It's still a chance. Oh, see, you take you take um, birth controls. There's still one percent, right? Yeah. They said that one percent, you can get pregnant. Yeah, there's there's that's a hard pill to swallow. The the pill yeah. is that there's always a chance. And that is just a hard pill for people to swallow. And um, what was I going to say? I lost it. I got excited when you got excited. We were, we were doing it. We were juggling back and forth. Oh, I thought you were about to say something. You had to look on your face no, like I you was about. Look, now we both we ran out of gas. <laughs> we ran out of gas 30 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> Uh, no, so the reason that I was asking about, you know, the whether or not you felt like just people trying was efficient is because I'm going to be honest with you. I have no desire to step into that arena. When people ask me about statistics, I'm like, go over there, go to this account, go see those people. I will like if you want to see a therapist, if you want to just chat, if you want to vent, if you want me to hear you, if you want some advice, I can give you these things. I can give you some attention and presence. But I can't, first off, I can't do that long term. So I don't want nobody thinking that they can just like call me and hold the phone. <laughs> you know, I will hold space. I'll hold space for you at a, at a reasonable, you know, amount of time. Um, but also, you know, whatever it is that you're getting out of these interactions with me, I do ask that people consider paying it forward some kind of way, whether it be sharing the resources or leaving a donation to something positive for positive people. Because like you said, these kinds of resources, you said the support groups and therapy, these are all things that I put a lot of my energy into. I want to continue to have these interviews and post the podcast on a weekly basis. Shit, to be honest, the rate that uh, the content is coming in, I might even be able to do two episodes a week. Um, cause that's just how common HSV is to where people are consistently getting diagnosed and finding these resources and wanting to get involved some kind of way and share their story. Were you about to say something? Yeah. And that's something that like, I personally want to 
say thank you to you. Like, even if you don't, um, just to talk about somebody's experience, it's a lot because it does make it like, oh, there's some guy in Missouri that has this. Like, it's like you're not in the little island by yourself. So it's like to hear other people's experience and everybody has different outbreaks. It's so, it's, I, from your podcast alone, I heard like so many different outbreaks that people get that is not is not the same like and for me i'm thinking oh it's only like a little pimple and the other person's like no i have mine looks like this like it's it's not it's something that makes you feel better and not being alone really even if to hear it so that's why um when it comes to you know statistics and everything like i get it and it's something that we also talk about in therapy and it, it feels good to know like okay it's two percent five percent ten percent okay it's still here's the thing that means percentage. that means absolutely nothing if you're disclosing to someone who's never had anyone tell them they had herpes before and you yeah. say that to them oh the transmission rate i'm on antivirals if we use condoms it's less than a four percent chance of passing it on and i'm using this as an example so do not jump down my fucking throat about that number being incorrect because i don't look at this stuff um and then that person goes home and they do their own research who knows where they look to find the information but the numbers could be different and it's just based on the inconsistency of uh, language because who's to say if you just say i have herpes here's the statistics they go home and they find out there's HSV-1, HSV-2, herpes zoster. There's oral herpes that's cold sores that can be passed on genitally. There's genital herpes that's type 2 primarily, but it can be passed on orally. And you see 80% of the population has a form of herpes. And then there's all these different types of herpes. And that information is overwhelming due to its inconsistency. So for us, we need to be able to find a way to get this shit to be on the same page, be consistent so that people can continue to go on their healing process. And when people disclose, they can provide, they can find comfort in knowing that the information that they're providing is the same information that that person they're telling is going to go home and do uh, the work for themselves. Oh my God, I remembered what I was going to say earlier. And then I just lost it because I was waiting on you to say what? Oh, this is the worst. <laughs> what I was going to say had to do with uh, with people who don't have herpes, actually, uh, or who don't know they have herpes or don't think they have herpes. Um, nope, lost it. But since I just said that I can I can extend this to make it relevant. So I'm going to go ahead and try that. Look, I'm, I'm stalling, like trying to get my thoughts together. <laughs> Jump in here real quick. People also need to be mindful that a lot of these tests and a lot of these um, these statistics are coming from either people taking Veltrex alone, or um, or not having Veltrex at all. Like it's not like Veltrex condom together. It's either you know it's either the condom or a couple taking Veltrex or nothing at all. Right. So it's like you don't really know exactly the percentage per se if you're using condom and Valtrex. I have not seen that. And that's something that we even talked about it in group that she actually sent us um she sent us the statistics about it and it's 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 either or like there's nothing that says, Okay, this is not with condom and Valtrex. 
together. Ooh, I think I know where I can find that information. So, uh, Sex Education, Emily DePass. Uh, she's one of my board members, and on Instagram, the account is Sex Education, E L D U K T I O N. She recently, I don't know how recent it was, shared something about transmission rates and uh, ways to, um, like the types of barriers alongside transmission rates. So if you follow her on Instagram um, and just send me a message after this and I can just uh, send it to you or send you her page, you probably have to look for it because she posts one to two times a day. So it might be down there a little bit, but the posts are very easy to follow and fluid. And when people ask me about statistics and everything, I send them to her. <laughs> that's that's, no, I, I that's where they go. And I, and, and like I said, it's, it's, it's good to know that there's so many people out there. Like, personally, I still not okay. Like, I don't want to date right now. I'm taking time. Like, this actually made me put pause and figure myself out, right? Like, go to therapy, figure myself out. Because being with my, I, how would I say this? With my, my, I guess, my background, I guess you say. I don't know how to say this. But, like, there's no such thing as looking for therapy. <laughs> like, oh, like, you mean like, like minorities? Minorities don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like, there's, there's a that's a thing in like the black community for sure. Um, yeah. And, Latinos, like we don't like you're depressed. Okay, stop being depressed. Go like, outside. Not, like, <laughs> like there's no such thing as like go. You should see a therapist. Like no, we don't do that. <sighs> While we on that, I mean, I've been in therapy for most of 2020, and uh, I don't know how I would have responded to the pandemic had I not been. I remember starting out. 2020 uh, pandemic when I found out we were going into lockdown that was so fucking vague I went to the grocery store and I bought a bunch of shit that I don't even eat but it would last for a long time but like frozen pizzas ramen noodles uh, black beans which the store was out of black beans so fast I bought a bunch of rice and I bought alcohol about three fifths of Jim Bean right and I go home and I'm just like, all right, not going to work. I woke up early in the morning and like I'd work out. I'd come home and I'm done with my day by 630 a.m. <laughs> so I just go home and I'd wait till about noon. I get on the game with my boys and start drinking. And over the course of the week, those three fits were gone. And I was like, what the fuck did I like? What? <laughs> How did this happen? So well, think about it. A city that never sleeps. New York, we don't like it's always nonstop and then the city shut down. Imagine. So I first I, I went to therapy just to deal with like just the anxiety of everything and then it ends up being, Oh, you got herpes <laughs> like in like midway through that I'm like change of course this therapy session. So it 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 actually um I know a lot of people are having strug they're struggling with like have with the COVID and kind of um, struggling with, with it's almost the same as being disclosing when it comes to like having COVID or anything. And for me, it was like, thank you for COVID that I, you know, it's, it's sad that I read so much is happening, but for me, it was like, I'm not out there dating or anything. Like it made an excuse for me to like pause and deal with myself. Can I just thank you for, for saying that? Um, not I don't think people feel strong enough to say that out loud or vocalize that because on social media in the media we see more 2020 is the worst uh I like all of these bad things that happen and I'm not discounting the experiences of anyone we lost a lot of people because of COVID yeah Mm -hmm. and so for you to be able to say that you 
thrived through this and you've been able to connect more with yourself like I just want to acknowledge that and say that I appreciate you sharing that because I feel that as well just with how something positive for positive people has gone having been in therapy and began to work on myself like I don't think that I would have been able to do that had it not been for the world being shut down because I'm always go 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 and I mean even now to an extent so I'm curious to know I was going to ask you about, because uh, you mentioned like Latinos don't go to therapy. Um, we can both just speak to that because I can tell you now, like that's even with my black friends. I'm like, hey, you know, I know a couple of my friends that have herpes that are men. And I'm like, yo, you should let me do this for you. Like, all you got to do is make a donation. I can connect you with the therapist. And they're like, oh, ain't nothing wrong. I'm like, oh, that's not how this works. But you also can't make someone do something that they don't yeah. want to do. Oh yeah, for for Latinos like uh, there's no there's no such thing. And I and I and I grew up like old school, like like whatever happens in the home, you don't speak outside. Like one of those things. Like you keep it indoors, right? So even to like to my sister, for example, like on my throat, I was like, Have you ever thought about going to therapy? She's like, For what? I'm like <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> like, like that's the response that you get. Like, what you think? I, what you trying to say? I'm crazy. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Automatically, that's that. They that's the first thing that they think. They're like, I'm not crazy. I'm like, it has nothing to do with that. Like. Well, let me ask you this. So growing up, I remember like my family, my extended family, would <clears throat> use the phrase "retarded" a lot. Yes. That was something that was used a lot. Special ed and crazy. These were all things that were used. And I became an adult and I'm having intelligent conversations about these uh, mental differences, really, because that's all it is. Like they're just wired a little bit differently than we are. And when we understand it, we can understand them. So I remember uh, just like people, the, the elders, aunts, uncles calling cousins, what you retarded or something or so and so crazy. And as an adult, it's like, no, they're fucking schizophrenic. Uh, I have an aunt who's bipolar, schizophrenic, um, and my grandmother was schizophrenic as well. So I'm learning like this shit that we downplayed was really fucking serious. And there's no telling like how many kids are being traumatized right now because of the parents inability to understand or the lack of resources for them to know that. There's something here that needs medical attention. Yeah, absolutely. I, I even because now since I'm um in therapy, I actually tell everybody like now I'm like an advocate also for therapy. Like I tell my coworkers because one of my coworkers was having really bad anxiety attacks during the pandemic and in New York in the beginning was horrible. And um I gave her the information of where to seek therapy and I'm telling everybody, you know, shit smoke some weed like do something <laughs> because it's like it 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 was for and they're also she's also latina and i don't even think they ever did because it's very taboo when it comes to uh, my community to seek therapy because automatically they tie it to you're crazy and then they start making you feel like you are you were like well damn maybe i am like it's, it's something that is so normal because I, we grew up and it's sad that I'm telling everybody like now that my friends know that I'm like, no, I'm not crazy. I'm just helping myself, fixing myself 
understanding why I am the way that I am or why I choose mm-hmm. to be my day. Like, there's reasons for this. There's steps. In order for me to be better or be in a relationship, I got to be better. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't give my 100% and at all. Like, I'm giving him half. I'm half-assing this. Like, it's, there's no way. I said, so that's why I'm seeking therapy or even bringing a child to this into this like i rather seek therapy to better myself so i could change my child in the future not mean like being so close-minded about everything and oblivious and then raising my child to be just the same yeah yeah and that awareness is key that's what i got out of therapy more than anything was awareness i recognize that we all have our own stuff going on unhealed from childhood we're operating in parent and uh, parents we're operating in patterns and the awareness of the pattern gives you the responsibility to make a choice. And sometimes those choices aren't always the easiest. It's challenging to break a pattern and replace it with a new one and get out of old habits. All of these things are really, really tough for us to deal with, tough for us to do, tough for us to navigate. But with the right help, with the right resources, with the right support system behind us, we can do damn near anything. Yeah, we are a product of our own environment. And that's something that um, it's, I, I noticed that even with kids in my family or anything, like I noticed the pattern that I'm like, no, I'm trying to break that. I want my kids to be more aware because even like growing up, even if you speak up, it's like stay in your lane. Like there was no such thing as you, you know, speak in your mind because you grew, grew up in a different time. So that's why I see a lot of kids now, like on Instagram and everything that I commend them, that I'm like, you guys are very vocal that growing up, that wasn't the case. Yeah, <laughs> I got the shit. Let me ask questions. I got the shit slapped out of me. Yeah, I remember <laughs> I was like, nobody's talking to you. Mind your business. Like, it was like, like, at all. Like, there was no such thing. You stay in your lane. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what though I am interested to see what happens with upcoming generations because I've seen kids who didn't get whoopings for instance and they have like such a sense of entitlement as adults and no <laughs> so regard true. for authority or rules or anything like whatever the consequences are they'll just deal with them and that's yeah. that whereas me like I used to get my ass beat so I'm like uh I don't think we should be doing coke behind this police car like uh i don't know if we should be doing 90 and the 60 and we got beer cans in the backseat no i 100 i agree like sometimes i i look at some of these kids like you know some things that they say like even like if i go to the store and i see a kid talking back to the kid i'm look, i'm waiting i'm like I'm looking, I'm like, for the- <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'm, oh my God, I'm about to have to pull this woman <laughs> off this kid. Like, you ready for that? But that's not what happens. Yeah. I'm not waiting for that. And nothing happens. They're like, oh no. And they like talking soft to their kid when the kid is like going off. I'm like, what? <laughs> right. That never happened. And for me, I, I know that I want to do different. Um, whether I have kids of my own or find myself with someone with children, I know I, I, I wouldn't want to hit them. And I understand now way better than I could have um, as one of my parents. Like if we were to swap spots, I understand why they hit me. Like I understand that that was what they knew to work because it's what was done to them. And so me being the first person I feel is actually actively breaking that generational, you know, trauma that's been passed down. 
I see the value of just like talking and understanding and being patient. Yeah. My parents didn't have the luxury of patience like I do because they had to work all day as long as they did because, you know, my my um, my dad went into a trade and my mom went to uh, my mom had to start working. They had me at 18, 19 years old. So them working and then coming home and having to be patient, you know, I, I get it. I don't approve of it, <laughs> but I get it. And so I, I want to do different because I know different. And I hope that this doesn't create another generation of the entitled <laughs> uh, grocery yeah, store people that are, I want this money. The other day I had like an entire conversation like uh, with a six-year-old, me and him sitting on the sofa, we like grown folks. And we have an entire conversation because I'm really big on communicating. Like all my nieces and nephews, um, I never believed in putting your hands on them because growing up, I got beat. So I don't want that um, with any of my nieces and nephews or anything. So we have conversations. And the other day I was talking to my friend's son that he calls me his aunt. So we have six-year-old entire conversation how his day went what he did like it was like <laughs> like he went he's like hard at work came home like we had this entire conversation and I, he's I'm sitting so there with his chocolate milk open on the table feet yeah, up on the yeah. coffee table like he's tired <laughs> like like he acts like he's an old man so i had this and i'm i'm trying to keep the i'm trying not to laugh when i have this conversation with him and he's like asking me all these questions and I'm so excited to see how these kids, especially like when it comes to like, like STDs and stuff like that for them, I think they're going to be more vocal than our generation. For sure. They're going to be more, they're going to speak up more. They're going to be more aware. And, and I'm so excited to see how they are going to change it for the rest of us. Yeah. Because I see 21 year olds now. I see on Instagram that they're like proud making videos. They're like 17, 18, 19 year old and they have herpes and they're like videotape. And I mean, they're video themselves and they're like, you know, being out there. And that's something that you never see our generation whatsoever. Yeah. Or in like our communities as well. Um, like you said, what happens in this house stays in this house, right? Yep. And when you grow up with that and you bring that into communities, what happens in our neighborhood stays in our neighborhood. We'll deal with it. Oh, yeah. And then shit oh, yeah. don't get dealt with because it's not oh, yeah. being dealt with in the way that it should be, but more so how it benefits whoever it is that's in authority at that point in time. Oh, yeah, because even like if you open your mouth, for example, like when I first mentioned um, to one of my friends that I had this, um, one of even I think even like my family, one of my family members, they even mentioned like, oh, you don't have to tell everybody you're with. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, for me, of course I do. Like I am because the person that gave it to me never gave me a chance in order to choose if I wanted to be with them or not. Maybe I did. Like I will do more research. Like you never know what would have been my reaction. So if I will never do that to somebody else and not disclose before I even even decide to be with that person yeah i'm scared shit don't get me wrong <laughs> <laughs> but i will still would want them to know mm-hmm. all right jen well uh we at the end here unless you have more that you wanted to share or if there was anything that you wanted to include or leave the audience with here's where you can do that um no, i just want to thank you for what you do and what you guys doing it's amazing um I, like I said, I listen to you and 
and hopefully this can help somebody and we have more and who knows i might be one of you guys one day when i feel comfortable enough you never know like it's something that it's it's little by little is changing my my life and hopefully the positive way and i can get i can get fully comfortable and and just be out there yeah well, I thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. This was a wonderful conversation. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player. You can follow me on Instagram at HOMYCHESS. You can follow me on other social media platforms too, but that's the one that I'm most active on just because that's where people DM me and ask questions. And it's easy for me to share additional information that you know serves as like little sub topics of this podcast. If you want to write in your own experience and story because perhaps you're not ready to be on the podcast, feel free to do so. Type it up in the document. You can submit it to me by uh, emailing it to me at Courtney. Uh, I'm tripping wrong email. Courtney at SPFPP.org. You can also donate to the nonprofit. We are at a point where we're launching group therapy. We had the first group therapy session um, over the last two days and it was amazing. So we're figuring out what this is going to look like moving forward. The more money we have, the more therapists we can pay, the more people who can be in these groups and the more healing that can take place. So we're, we're expanding this community of people who are just confident as fuck through their herpes diagnosis and able to talk about sexual health. And we're building a more sex positive community through taking care of our mental health. So if you want to be on board with this, you want to be a part of it, join the community. We have a Patreon uh, page as well. Just type in patreon.com slash SPFPP if you want to donate monthly to support what it is that we're doing. And uh, yeah, it's it, this is 2021, man. 2021. <laughs> Till next time, stay sex positive.